Hello again, everybody. It's time again for the Mainland Podcast. It's episode number 43. I'm Michael Citro, the managing editor for TheMainland.com. We are SB Nation's Orlando City site. We cover the Lions. And uh, joining me this week for the podcast is uh, Daniel McGann and Luis Hernandez, a couple of our esteemed writers. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic. Looking forward to a, a good weekend of soccer. I am as well, and Orlando City is back in action after a week off, going to play the MLS Cup champion Portland Timbers. Uh, we are getting Ricky back. That's right, Kaká is going to be back Woo-hoo! this week. And um, it seems that Adrian Heath may have his entire uh, entire lineup to choose from when he's making out his team, uh, his 18-man roster on Sunday. Um, that's Sunday night at 8 o'clock at the Citrus Bowl. Um, I guess I'll start with you, Daniel. The the Orla- you know Orlando City, since joining MLS, has never lost to the Portland Timbers, uh, and has never been drawn by the Portland Timbers. Does that streak continue on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> I'd uh, I'd love to say yes, and I think I think with Kaká coming in, uh, or hopefully you know in the lineup, which I, which people are anticipating. Um, I think that type of quality and also he's going to just bring a different type of energy as well and confidence on the ball. Uh, Orlando's at home. You know, we play well at home. We're going to have a lot of supporters there. Uh, It's going to be an exciting game, and Portland's going to bring a lot of talent to the fold. But uh, I think that type of energy and and the leadership that Kaká's going to show, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be hungry to get out there, uh, it's going to be an exciting match. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, I kind of feel like Portland is a a team that plays – they have a lot of similarities to Real Salt Lake, the team that uh, Orlando City opened the the season against in terms of their attacking players. Got a lot of quality there, um, and you know Orlando City is going to be a little bit fortunate, I think, because uh, Liam Ridgewell is out with an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of their one of their esteemed defenders. Uh, they still will have Nat Borchers, a very solid guy, big dude, burly, got has a manly beard, fantastic which, beard. Yeah, maybe the the best beard in soccer, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Luis, I want to know from you sort of what you expect in terms of the international guys coming back because, it, you know, Kevin Molino got himself on the score sheet for Trinidad and Tobago, but Kyle Lahren against Mexico had all kinds of problems uh, getting getting looks at goal. Um, what do you see from from Darwin Saren, Kyle Lahren, and um, Kevin Molino against Portland? Well, as far as I know, everybody came back healthy, which was my biggest concern. And uh, so that's good. I think that I'm not too concerned about Kyle. Yeah, he had a tough matchup with uh, with Mexico, but he really didn't have any help. So I think that for him coming back to the Citrus Bowl with uh, the offense that we have, I think that he will uh, continue to score. And I also feel that maybe uh, what Molino needed was that a uh, little bit of uh, a little help on the with the with the national team. So hopefully he'll be able to score and get an assist. So yeah, well it'll help him I think having Kaká back in the lineup, uh, getting a goal for his country. Maybe that'll take care of the the case of the yips that he's been dealing with with Orlando City. Also with uh, having a security blanket, our Brazilian captain back in the lineup that should help as well. Um, I guess, Daniel, what I'd like to know is how this team is going to line up um, 
you know, against Portland with with having all of the first team options really available. And that's that's going to be a, a good problem for Heath, right? I mean, uh, with Kaká back, I'm really excited to see Molino in that relationship with Kaká uh, start to blossom again. We kind of saw it at the beginning of last year. Unfortunately, Molino got injured, but you're going to have to see them, those two players in the lineup. You know, uh, if Kaká feels like he's fit enough to go, I'm pretty sure he really is. Uh, you got Nocherino, who's also going to be in that midfield. Uh, and then, you know, uh, what we're going to do with uh, Agita and Saren could be interesting there. I mean, um, I think those two guys in the defensive roles and then running that 4-2-3-1 that Heath likes to do, of course, Laren up top, uh, hopefully he can keep that goal streak going in MLS. Uh, and in the back, you know, there, there's abilities for him to make some, some moves. Uh, I think it's a little too early for Austin right now. You'll probably see the same back four you've seen so far throughout the year. Uh, but it's going to be interesting with, with Venter, right? I mean, that's the conversation is he's looked good, uh, but he tends to fade whenever he's a starter, uh, and he looks much more effective coming on off the bench. So if he's your first sub coming in uh, with the type of energy that he can bring, I think that's going to be a really effective lineup uh, for Heath, and I think that's going to bring about the type of energy energy we'll want to see and have the leadership on the field that we can control the game and, and keep possession and, and hopefully put some pressure on Portland. What I'm thinking is um, a three. I'm, I'm thinking a three-man central midfield of of Serenigita and Ocherino with a maybe go back to the four-three-two-one. Maybe do, do a four-three-three, um, and then you know you're gonna have Kaká and Molino up uh, serving as uh, as support for Laren in the attack. Is is kind of how I see it. What do you see uh, Adrian Heath doing on Sunday, Luis? I think with everybody being available. And the amount of time that they spent in the preseason doing the four-three-two-one, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what uh, what we see at the Citrus Bowl. So I, I tend to agree with you, Michael, that we'll have three defensive uh, midfielders in the back, and uh, you know I'm more kind of curious to see if and when Heath will go to. Uh, to Rivas, you know, to see when he gets put in as a game changer or if he starts. So that's what I see. And I, th- I think it's interesting, guys. I mean, we get caught up in this four-two-three-one or four-three-two-one or four-three-three, but uh, really, in essence, the, with the type of players we have on the field and, and Notrino and, and Kaká being able to move and Molino as well, I mean, it, it's it's pretty interchangeable, you know. And and I think you might see uh, it kind of. Uh, just you know, evolve over time throughout the match, depending upon uh, how we're controlling the ball, or if Portland's coming out on the front fit, or front foot, or if we're on the back foot, or again if we take a lead early. So um, I think any of those types of the four-three-three kind of uh, evolution throughout the match is, is probably the, the way that I, I would think makes sense from a formation. The other th- well, I want to I want to get uh, I certainly want to get a mention in about Kaká because we don't know how long he's going to play um he certainly is not going to go 90 i wouldn't think uh it'll be interesting to see if he goes 45 or 60 um you know if he plays without a knock i think he can he's probably fit enough to do 60 minutes uh but it's probable that he's not going to go a full 90 it would be ideal to have a lead and then be able to sub him out and and you know put in a speedy guy like carlos rivas to play on the counter and, uh, and maybe you could even shift to a 4-2-3-1 and bring in Venter later as well and move Molino to the middle because Venter is so effective off the bench when, when the other team's a little bit winded that, you know, it's, it's going to be 
it's probably going to be a, a you know a warm muggy night here in in Orlando on Sunday night and you know luckily for the Timbers they don't have to play in the middle of the day like a, a lot of teams do here but um on, on, you know for Sunday games but Venter just brings that extra effort that is hard to match it's hard to match his intensity when he comes off the bench late uh, if you've already been out there for about 60 or 70 minutes so I, I really love him as a sub I think he's he's more effective when he's got that advantage and um, it, you know it'll be really cool to see you know more or less the full lineup I don't know that we're going to have uh, Julio Baptista available just yet um, still working through some some visa work paper issues and stuff but uh, he had to he has trained with the team for a month, so it shouldn't take him long once he gets over here to, to get acclimated. So um, I want to turn our attention now to the Orlando Pride. The uh, the Pride may never lose a game. <laughs> uh, improved to 3-0 on the preseason with a 3 nothing win at the uh, University of South Florida over the weekend. Uh, no Ashlyn Harris or Alex Morgan who are uh, called up to the national team, but uh, we've got our first view of Steph Catley and Laura Alloway, the Australians are here, and um, you know the pride looks pretty darn good. Again, these are just college teams, and it's early days, but you know even without Alex Morgan, the team pretty much didn't break a sweat and uh, has only has only yielded one goal, conceded one goal in three matches in the preseason. Luis, what are you seeing from this pride team? I see um, Tom Sermanti uh, trying to get these girls to play. Uh, Quick, high pace, high tempo. Um, I know that when he was when he will yell at the players to for quick throw-ins to just keep the ball moving. He's looking for specific things from them. Um, I was uh, surprised that his formation that he's been practicing the last couple of weeks has been a, th- a three-five-two formation. But um, other than that, it's it's been. Uh, just pretty amazing the paces that he's putting these uh, ladies through. Okay, you're going to put a couple of dollars in the jar um, <laughs> for, for for using girls. <laughs> uh, that We're not doing that, especially in light of what's been going on uh, with the U.S. women's national team uh, today. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, very, it's very exciting to see what Tom Sermani's bringing to the pride and, and the amount of talent that's on this team is is pretty substantial for an expansion team. You know, I guess it's a good thing that when the team, when the league only has ten teams, because there's so much talent out there that's available. And, and certainly, I think if you if you look at a player by player breakdown of the teams, you'd have to say the Pride is one of the more talented teams in the entire NWSL. Daniel, oh, I, I would totally agree with you. I mean, we we have some of the the best players and international players on our team, and. Uh, I mean, with with Alex Morgan up top, and, and you're talking about just players now arriving, Steph Steph Cadley. I mean, it's it's, it's a fantastic roster, uh, and we yep, we have other players in depth. I mean, Jasmine Spencer's uh, uh, she's proven dangerous uh, when she's been on there. I mean, we've out, outscored our opponents 16 to one over three matches, and no matter the type of of opponent you're playing, if we're playing, you know, uh, college teams, University of South Florida, uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily matter because the team is going to gel. Um, and with this, <laughs> the talent, I, I, you can just keep naming players, Kaylin Kyle, Sarah Hagen, Ashlyn Harris. I mean, Leanne Sanderson, who we had on uh, the podcast a, a few weeks ago, 
Uh, all of these ladies have international talent. It's going to be exciting to see them on the field now. Uh, I don't know if we're going to go undefeated like you uh, like you said there. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, the first game is uh, in Portland against a very good Portland side, and then we come back home against Houston. So mm-hmm. just off the bat, we're playing two talents at NWSL sides. Um, but these women have shown the ability to play at a very high level, and uh, hopefully they can bring that to the pitch for the Orlando Pride, and, and we can start out really fast. It's going to be an exciting season. Yeah, it is an interesting uh, first matchup going on the road to Portland. Portland is one of the teams that you could actually say, you know, you could point to them and say that's a team that matches or surpasses Orlando City's or Orlando Pride's uh, talent level. Uh, Seattle's going to be a very talented team. Um, you know, Houston's got some good players. They weren't they weren't a great team last year, but they do have Carly Lloyd. So anytime you got Carly Lloyd, you know, you've got you know one of the best players in the entire world uh, right here in NWSL, and that's gonna that's going to be a, a heck of a home opener. I'm looking forward to seeing if we can get 30,000 in the Citrus Bowl for that. And, um, you know, at least to at least break the NWSL record. Uh, if we can't reach 30, then I think we can at least break the record. Um, so why don't we turn our attention to Alex Morgan and the, and the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, very, very serious um, accusation today uh, has, been, has been leveled at U.S. Soccer Federation, um, you know, that they're, that they're not uh, – being paid uh, commensurately with with uh, you know the men's team and what they're doing, but not only that, not only about the pay, but about the conditions in which they play. And they cite uh, you know very accurately that you know the men's team generally gets to play on nice grass fields and and you know and practices on them as well. And they don't have the some of the playing conditions that the that the women have had. And you know they point to Megan Rapinoe's injury in Hawaii. Uh, on a on a, a really terrible turf surface, um, you know, Luis, what do you make of this and and the timing of it before you know Olympics and and all of that and and how do you see this kind of unfolding? So, I think that the women are just using the leverage that they have. Um, the last time they actually signed a CBA was back in two thousand and six. And they've been working out of a a memo of understanding since then. And that's really what they've been trying to dispute in the lawsuits between the Federation and the and the players union is whether or not, you know, it's still valid or it runs until December. And Mm -hmm. so um, as for the, the players themselves being able once the Olympics are over, they're going to lose a lot of that leverage um, because then they don't. The federation doesn't have the incentive to negotiate with them in good faith. I honestly think that, um, you know, hopefully the federation will come to its senses. It knows that it's getting beat up on the, you know, the PR front. So mm. and, and and you know they they put out things like in the budget they've already have like another victory tour after the Olympics. You know, just to the presumption that they're going to win. And there are some serious differences between the men and the women when um, the men play a friendly or a competition and they get money whether they win, lose or draw. And the women only get paid if they win. So there are some discrepancies that I think uh, hopefully will be corrected. Now, Daniel, what do you think about this? Do you think this is something that the... The players want to get out there to try to 
to try to get, you know, obviously some improvements made. And and do you think that they don't really want this to come to a head and that they're just trying to force the U.S. Soccer Federation's hand in terms of, of giving them some concessions uh, so that they don't have to have a work stoppage and, and then potentially miss the Olympics? Yeah, I think this is a way to get out in front of the issue, right? And we all know that there's an issue uh, and there's been a tension over equal pay and equal treatment treatment. Uh, for a long time, for, for women all over uh, the world in workplaces, right? Not just in sports. Um, sure. But, you know, the, this has been something that's kind of been, I would think, you know, boiling in a cauldron for a little while. And uh, when we see these type of pay discrepancies for women who put just as much on the line and play sometimes more international games than the men do, uh, and they're getting paid less and they're not getting the necessary bonuses over that 20-game cap that they set, um, it, it's a little upsetting also because the, the, the women's team for, for the U.S., right, is, uh, is very dear to the, to the country, very dear to the nation, has a great following. I mean, they, they, pull, uh, um, they pull large crowds wherever they go, uh, and they're very successful. So if there's any team that has the type of leverage to be able to get out in front of this issue, it would be uh, our, our women's national team. And it's, it's great that they're standing together and, and, and bring it to the forefront. Um, and hopefully, you know, the reason behind that is because they, they want to get out in front of the issue now. Uh, and they do have the leverage now and, and they're able to do it and, and move to the uh, uh, the Olympics this summer. So um, hopefully the headway doesn't doesn't lead to any type of strike or uh, missing games or anything like that. And we can get this solved. And uh, we know that there's enough money running through U.S. Uh, right now uh, for soccer that we could get this solved. And uh, hopefully it gets um, um, hopefully they, they get what. Uh, is deserved uh, before the Olympics. I tell you, if they were paid by the way they play in comparison to the rest of the world, the women would get a lot more than the men. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's and it's been a, it's been a tough uh, week for for U.S. soccer in terms of uh, not only this happening, but uh, the 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 egg that the men's team laid in Guatemala. Sure, they came home against uh, against Guatemala in Columbus and and won big, but I mean. If, if you're not able to beat the number 95 team in the world badly on your home soil, then, then there's something wrong with you. But if you play as poorly as they did on the road against the number 95 team, also something wrong with you. So uh, Jurgen Klinsmann's under fire. The U23 team just missed the Olympics for the second straight Olympic cycle um, with uh, you know just getting completely dominated by Colombia. But they... The, the bigger issue was losing at home to Honduras and not uh, and, and having that having to play that playoff anyway. Uh, so it's been a tough tough week for for U.S. soccer and hopefully uh, it can rebound from this and move on. And speaking of moving on, we're going to move on to Orlando City B, which opened its inaugural USL season last weekend at Titan Soccer Complex in Melbourne. Unfortunately, they didn't get the memo over in Melbourne that um, Orlando City wins in the USL and that they uh, win openers in a, in a very or draw at least in very uh, dramatic fashion in, in uh, stoppage time because uh, the Wilmington Hammerheads handed them a 2-1 loss at home. Um, the winning goal uh, wasn't a beauty, but uh, it went in against Earl Edwards Jr. Uh, Andrew Ribeiro is the first goal scorer in Orlando City B history, uh, and he had a nice, really, really nice uh, backflip celebration after that goal. Um, Luis, uh, Orlando City B, uh, obviously, it's again, we, we went through this last year with Orlando City. Expansion teams still are going to take a little bit of time to gel, aren't they? I, I certainly think so. And, uh, you know, especially with 
even though the, the teams and the players will say that they practice together, I, I think that when it comes time for match um, cohesiveness, I, I do think that it could be an issue to get the same 11 on the on the pitch and, and getting to know the tendencies of everybody. But, uh, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm hoping to see a little bit more celebration this time around, and, uh, and I think that they'll get a win. Well, you know, Daniel... Orlando City B, uh, they drew 2,000, which wasn't a great crowd for the opener, but the weather was terrible. Um, you know, is this something that, that that the Space Coast can support? Is it is it something that the the, the big club needs to put more money into to promoting? Um, you know, where where do you see this team sort of, uh, you know, finding its water level, so to speak? Where, where do you think they're going to be? I mean, it's going to be difficult for three teams to operate in really the same area with, you know, Orlando, Orlando City B, the, the pride who are going to be popular. Um, I think Orlando City B is going to be able to fit in um, to what the club needs, uh, having that relationship close by so players can, uh, if they don't play with the senior side, go play Orlando City B. I think there's going to be uh, enough of a call there to, to have, you know, maybe three, sometimes 5,000, perhaps some more um, there. I think it only sits 3,500, but there's some standing room that they talk about uh, having over there. But um, I don't – it's not going to be the biggest draw in USL, okay? It's not. I don't think mm-hmm. the club uh, – Really? They're not going to they're not gonna surpass Sacramento? It's not, not going to happen, right? I mean, <laughs> but can it can it – add to the club mentality can it build a community of orlando city uh across central florida and and uh wider can it uh bring to the club overall what they wanted i i think that's the point of it right not necessarily just having thirteen thousand people watching a usl side um which some clubs do but having you know a, a a tight community really built around club mentality and i think that's the idea behind it yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if they can put together a successful season because this is a community that wants a winner. And, you know, a lot of the, the, the two teams, the USL teams that are owned and operated by MLS teams, didn't really do all that well last year. And, and it, it's because, you know, they're trying to develop players and they're not necessarily putting everything they can into building a cohesive team. Um they want to get guys minutes instead of finding the best balance and that kind of thing. So there, there are some sacrifices made in the name of, you know, getting players prepared to to hopefully take the next step rather than to win games and, and you know compete for championships. So I think you have to temper those expectations a little bit. But this is certainly an organization that that prides itself on winning and and um, you know will do everything it can to make the playoffs and go as far as they can. They're they're um, you know they've got quite a legacy in USL, and that's how they got an MLS team. So, um, you know certainly they do want to win, and, and we'll see how successful they are. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring in uh, somebody who knows probably a little bit more about Orlando City B and what's going on over there. Uh, it'll be Orlando City's uh, number one pick in the Super Draft, and uh, he's coming your way right after this. Our special guest this week on the Mainland Podcast is Richie Larea, midfielder for our Atlanta, uh, Orlando City. Has also uh, is going to be playing some games with Orlando City B. Richie, how you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. Thank you guys for having me. 
Great. Hey, t- we really appreciate you coming on the Mainland Podcast. We just got the official word today from the from the club. It'll be uh, yesterday when people are listening to this, uh, but uh, that you'll be sent uh, to Orlando City B on loan for the match against the Charleston Battery uh, Friday night over at uh, Titan Soccer Complex. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to kind of ask you about, you know, your experiences so far with with Orlando City and, and being part of of not only the senior team but also uh, able to go in and get some minutes uh, with Orlando City B. How has the experience been for you so far? It's been uh, unreal experience for me so far. Uh, I've been here for a little over three months now, and it's been everything I hoped it'd be. So the trainers are very good. The first team, um, I'm able to match myself up against some of the best players in the league, and then I get to also work with Gaffer Agent Heath, which is a, who is a very good coach. So I'm learning a lot through him, and then I go down to the whenever I go down to the USL team. Uh, there's no drop. Uh, Anthony Pulis knows what he's doing as well. He uh, has clear ideas and he makes sure that his team's on top six. So I don't feel like there's a drop between any of the teams. And I'm looking forward to the game against Charleston. And I like the idea of me going back and forth playing with both teams. So, Richie, speaking of going back and forth like that, that can be difficult sometimes. The, the the good thing here is that the teams are so close to each other, you can miss a game one week and go play Orlando City B. What type of impact are you looking to make this year, either on Orlando City B or, or hopefully moving to the uh, the full club later in the year? Yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously good that the B team and the first team are literally in the same complex so that's very good because i've known guys that have been at mls team that have to get loaned out to a team who's affiliated but are like in a different state and whatnot so it is harder when it's like that but for in terms of playing i hope to get a lot of the b team games uh good minutes for match fitness and stuff like that and be able to work my way into the first team pitcher and then I just said maybe towards the end of the year, be with the full first year and get a minute there too. So with the transition that you're doing for your first year as a pro, uh, who would you say are the mentors that you have on the team that are helping you out, either on the B side or on the first team? Uh, as, uh, obviously, Kyle Laren's a big one for me since I've been kind of shows me the ropes and how things go and around the club and all that. So it's, it's been him. He's helped me a lot ever since being here. And then on the B team, Lewis Neal talks to me a lot. He's obviously one of the older guys between the, both teams. And he's played for a good amount of years, so he knows what he's talking about. So he, he speaks to me as well. You know, you brought up Kyle Laren, and you have, uh, you know, a long history with Kyle, and you guys go way back. Uh, what can you tell people that aren't familiar? Some of our listeners who may not be familiar, you know, how far back you go with Kyle and, and how well you know him. Well, I've no, I've known him before I was ten. We played club soccer, uh, different teams and against each other. He was on one of the best teams in um, in our province in Canada, and so was I. So we matched up against each other a couple of times from I'd say like about age seven, eight all the way till now so but I didn't really get to know him until we both turned ten and Sigma F C formed. It was a club uh based in Mississauga so 
we got together. They picked all the best players from our, our region, and uh, thankfully, we both got picked, and we started our journey from there at uh, Sigma FC. Uh, picking up from there, Sigma, I mean, you, you, you went on to Akron for, for some time, for two years, and then you got picked seventh overall uh, by Orlando City, of course. Um, for, for people out there that, you know, maybe haven't seen you play too much on the college side and, and don't know much about you, how would you describe yourself as a player and what, what are your tendencies on the field and what do you hope to bring to the table? That's tough one. I don't really judge myself as a player too much, but uh, I'd say – just, I play an attacking role, so try to get goals, assists, contribute to the team. I'm more on the technical side of the play, of players and stuff like that. So I bring, I think I'm very similar to the style that Orlando City wants to play. Going into the season um, with your attacking style, have you set any any goals for yourself this season? Like you want to, you know, have a certain number of assists. I know. Like when Coach Heath talks about Kyle, he mentions 20 goals. Uh, do, do you have something similar, aspirations that you want to do? Yeah, of course. Since being an attacking player, I want to get as many goals as I can get uh, while playing. So obviously I'll be, uh, I'll be playing with the B team tomorrow. So I'll have that in mind to get a goal or assist, try to get one each game, tell the thing be effective. So... And this will help me all going towards the first team picture as well. You know, I, I want to go back to, to what Daniel was asking you about, about your style of play. And, and I know that, you know, a lot of Orlando City fans haven't got a, a good chance to see you in action yet. Who are some of the players that you sort of um, play like and, and who are some of the guys who you have emulated your game after? Um, as far as playing, like, I'd say, well, I don't know about playing like but the guys that I've that are role models to me while growing up. Um, and yes, that was a very big one for me. Uh, watching him play was uh, obviously a very nice thing. And I try to copy what he does on the field. And then another one, well, as of right now, is Paul Pogba that I watch a lot. So he's up and coming, and I like to watch him a lot. So as a, as a new player with Orlando City, either with the, the senior team or the, the B-side team, uh, you know, there's there's stories that I'm sure uh, are kept within the team. But uh, from your side, have they have they kind of ragged you as a rookie coming in as that first first round pick? Have you had anybody play any jokes on you? And if you have, uh, is there anything that you can tell us uh, that's kosher uh, other people hearing? So, like, uh, what do you mean, like jokes towards me? Yeah, is, is there any? Uh, I, I mean, I don't. I, I know in other sports that they they necessarily do that sometimes, right? With new players on the team, have you have you seen that happen, or is, have you been a part of that at all? No, no, just sometimes jokingly. Uh, some of the guys say I've uh, have some pressure on me for Kyle being rookie of the year and <laughs> being Canadian and from the same club as me. So they they, they jokingly say that after. Fall under those footsteps, or I'm 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 not a true Canadian and stuff like that. So just just all fun stuff from them, especially from Kyle. Kyle 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 nags me about that a couple of times. <laughs> Go, going back to uh, your time that you're going to be spending in USL, uh, and obviously the 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 club has had a strong tradition uh, in USL in the past. Um, and uh, we've had standouts like uh, Kevin Molino in USL. Do you feel any pressure yeah. at all to maybe, you know, 
have that kind of similarity comparison with you? Uh, uh, pre- I, I would just say pressure. I think it's very, it's some very good stuff. Uh, the people are comparing you or giving you pressure that they expect a lot of big things from you. So obviously, yeah, there's a bit of pressure there, but I just hope our eyes are going to be able to do well when under pressure. You know, uh, Richie, the the Orlando City organization has has um, you know history in the USL and and um, you know some some very tough games against the Charleston Battery. Let's talk about them for a minute. What type of um, of preparation have you had? I know it was just announced uh, to the public today, uh, released to the media that you were going to play uh, for Orlando City B. Um, but had you had some prior knowledge that you were you were going to play Friday night? And and what kind of preparation have you had for the Battery? Yeah, I had a bit of an idea that I was going to play, so I just, I obviously I was with the team today, so I seen the film on them. They look like a, they look like a pretty good team, so it's going to be a tough game. They have pretty good forwards, the missiles are good as well, so it's going to be a very good matchup for us. So, but I feel like all the boys from the video we've done and all the preparation we've had are ready to play this game and get a win against Charleston. Uh, Richie, outside of uh, your history with Kyle um, and, and you being, you know, able to train with the senior team and go and play with the USL side, have there been players that you feel like you have just necessarily a connection with on the field, either with Orlando City B, people that you feel comfortable playing with uh, on the field and you feel like you, you can read their, their next pass or their next move? Or is that connection there for a few players already? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the beats and especially the attacking guys, um, uh, Tony Rosa was the first team for preseason, so me and him have gone on well together. Uh, Haji as well, and here on the USL team, so it's been good there. And then on the first two, obviously, Kyle, because I've played with him for a good couple of years. And then you have guys like Molino and Ricky and obviously Antonio that are easy to play with because of the quality they have. So, you know, if, you, if you're playing with quality, they're going to get you the ball. You can do good things with that. So uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, being a Canadian and you see the success that, that Kyle has had and he gets called up to the senior team, do you feel that that's something that you can work on your game here and perhaps get a call up to the national team? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, that, that'd be a great thing for me to, for me to, to happen for me obviously, to represent my country and all that. So I'll just keep plugging away at it, keep do what I need to do here and hopefully in the near future be able to get called into the full national team as well. You know, Reggie, before we let you go, I wanted one thing that always interests me, uh, you know, in following sports is that a young player such as yourself, you come out of college, you get drafted, you find yourself on a team with a midfield with guys like Kaka, guys like Kevin Molino, Adrian Venter, and, and all of this, this quality, um, uh, no Chirino, just a really a really crowded midfield uh, full of incredible talent and experience. How hard is it for you as a young guy to be patient and wait your turn and learn from those guys and, and work on your game uh, while you want to play for that first team? Yeah, obviously it's very – patience is very popular right now for me because like, uh, anyone – I know a lot of other people from the draft are probably dealing with it as well. You go from playing – every game in college to come in here and then you're behind you're behind players but it's a good group of guys to be behind I'm, I've been learning a whole lot from 
all the guys that you just mentioned because obviously they're some of the best players in the league and they're just great, great people to learn from. So I've been staying patient and training. I I see what they do and try to do as they do and better or, or better to get myself seen by the coaches and and respected by the players as well. All right, well, Richie Larea, midfielder for Orlando City and uh, also Orlando City B. You know, we wish you all the luck in the world here during your first season in uh, in Major League Soccer and in, in uh, professional soccer in North America. And, uh, you know, uh, good luck against Charleston. Thank you very much. I really appreciate having me. All right, well, you know what? That just about does it for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 43. We definitely want to thank Richie Larea, uh, first-round super draft pick by, uh, of Orlando City, who's going to be playing for Orlando City B tonight, if you're listening to this uh, the day it goes live, uh, against Charleston over in Melbourne, Orlando City B and the Charleston Battery. Uh, our Sean Rollins will be there to, uh, to bring you the action. Um, we want to thank him for his time, certainly, and, and for, for being kind enough to, to stop by the podcast. Um, before we get out of here, we have some more business to take care of, obviously. We've got to talk a little bit about this Portland matchup on Sunday. And, Daniel, I'm going to start with you. We're going to, I'm going to get both of you guys uh, to give me your, your key matchup of the game. What do you think is going to decide the game? And, uh, and then your, you know, your score predictions, uh, how's it going to unfold? Daniel, we'll start with you. Come on. I mean, this is an easy one. I feel like it's just the two midfields. I mean, with Kaká coming back in the lineup, cross your fingers. Come on, we expect it. Uh, I think that's going to be the key matchup. Him playing with uh, Ridgewell not being in the game, both himself and uh, Kyle Lahren up there in the forward, that's going to be an awesome play. I think his strength, it's going to be interesting watching him against the beard. Uh, Nat Borchers, I don't know what's going to go on there, but that's going to be a tussle. Two big guys. Uh, that's going to be exciting to watch. And what do I think is going to happen? I think Orlando's going to get three points, and I think it's going to be two to one. Kyle's going to keep that streak going, uh, and I'm going to be a little bit of a cheese ball here and say that either Kaká or Kevin Molino will score the other one. All right, uh, Luis, how do you see this thing going? And what's the key matchup? And what's your final score? Well, this is a, a really big game for me fantasy-wise. I have five players <laughs> on my fantasy team for this match. And uh, I think also it's going to be uh, in the midfield. But what I'm going to say is I think it's how uh, defensively we handle Nagby in the midfield, try to, to clog up their, uh, their offensive capability with that. They're, gonna, they're not coming in uh, at 100%. They're, 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 they have a lot of injuries. So I, I do think that Orlando City is going to win. Um, you know, 2-0 sounds good, but I'm really just going to hope for three. Just, you know, just to see that third one. Wow. Uh, I'm going to say uh, that the, the key matchup, first of all, uh, Luis, as always, no one cares about anyone's fantasy team. <laughs> ever. Yeah, no one has ever cared. All, all Orlando City players, come on. Well, you can only um, have four. The back, uh, the the back line for Orlando City against the Portland Attack is my key matchup. The the Timbers lead. I think they lead the. I think they lead Major League Soccer in uh, crosses. Uh, so I think that Rafa, uh, Ramos and uh, and Breck Shea are going to be very very critical in in limiting those balls into the middle. I think that um, Tommy Redding and and Seb Hines obviously are going to have to be good in the air. They're going to have to watch Adi. And, um, and 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 just uh, lock that down. I think that if Orlando City can can hold Portland to one 
or keep a clean sheet, then I think they're in great shape. Uh, unfortunately, though, I think that Portland's got a really good attack, and I'm going to call a 2-2 draw. I do think that that Laren will get one. Maybe he gets one late in, in dramatic fashion, and I think the other one is going to come from the midfield. I don't know who it's going to come from. Maybe it's maybe it's Molino picking up just some picking up the garbage on the doorstep. Maybe it's going to be Kaká with a free kick. I don't know, but uh, I see one coming from the midfield. Uh, you know, last year I always predicted it would be a, a defender, and the defenders just rarely scored. So I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> um, but I will go two two, and um, I think you know. That, that's a pretty good result against MLS Cup uh, defending champs. But uh, if it was a daytime, hot-as-hell game in, in the Citrus Bowl, I would feel a lot better uh, about Orlando City. But, um, you know, we'll see. I, it would have been nice if uh, Klinsman would have used Nagby for 90 minutes uh, Tuesday night, but he did not. So, uh, I don't know. That's the way I see it. Um, before we get out of here, though, I know, Luis, you, had some, you have some strong feelings, and, and you're somebody that lives over – uh, that way over toward Melbourne and, and you have some strong feelings about Orlando City B and and what type of promotion and, and marketing they're getting over there. Why don't you why don't you expand on that a little bit? Living in, in, in the county, I really wish that the, the club would do more. I don't feel that they're doing enough to promote OCB uh, if to get any kind of attendance. I, I think that um, you know, like, for example, the magnets for the cars, I, I, I would like to see OCB magnets. You know, you really don't see any of that. You don't see any any of the billboards on, on I-95 or anything like that. It just, they don't really have as much of a presence. I think if you're in the loop when it comes to Orlando City soccer, you know about it. But for most people, I, I don't think that, when you know, when I talk to people from the area, they have much of a clue. And I, I really wish that the team would, would put a little more into it. Uh, I think that, you know, maybe because of the three teams this first year, they're trying to figure things out financially. You know, OCB is going to probably lose money. So you would think that they don't want to spend a whole lot. But I, I really wish to help attendance, maybe draw some more people in. You know, they would do more. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot to do right now for for the Orlando City uh, club as a whole with with three teams to promote, market, sell tickets for, and they haven't, you know, notably increased their staff to do that. And and you know, it'd certainly be nice if they had that kind of a, of a commitment to all three teams at the same time. And it, it's probably pretty difficult. I'm sure there's there's more they could do. I know they're looking for some street team type people over in Melbourne and, and uh, you know, around the, the eastern uh, Florida State College area. Um, so, you know, if, if, if you're over that area and you want to get involved, you know, contact the club because I'm, I'm sure they're looking for, for street teamers to go out and, and help uh, promote and support the club. Um, they do have a pretty good, uh, pretty good following over there with the, with the supporters group. The, the Harbor City Hooligans over there I think has, has done a, a nice job. Uh, so give a shout-out to them. Uh, but I think, guys, that's about it for episode 43 of the Mainland Podcast. I want to I want to ask those who are listening if you like what you hear, uh, please go to iTunes and, and give us uh, you know uh, you know give us a good rating and, and leave some nice comments for us on iTunes. That's how we we move up in their rankings and that kind of thing and get more exposure. Uh, you can uh, also uh, support us and support Orlando City by. Uh, going to the Mainland's uh, homepage, and if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see one that says the Mainland Shop. You'll see a, like, a little purple strip that says the Mainland Shop. You can pick up 
Rorlando T-shirts. We've got uh, men and women's T-shirts. Uh, we've got two styles. We've got the Rorlando, uh, which is my favorite. It's pretty pretty cool. It's got uh, it's got the logo inside the O in Roar, and uh, also we got mainland uh, logo T-shirts, which are pretty cool. Uh, so pick those up and and step up your T-shirt game, and uh, and help support the uh, not only the podcast but the uh, the site. Um, that'll do it, guys. I think we're done. We've we've I think we've solved all the problems that the club has that the United States Soccer Federation has. I think I think they just need to come to us for these answers because we have them all. Um, but now thanks uh, thanks again to Richie Larea for stopping by and being our guest this week. Um, and and good luck to him with uh, with Orlando City B. And good luck to him in in uh, getting some minutes with the big club sometime this season. I think he's a talented kid and it was. Uh, is one of the guys that I had circled uh, as, as a potential uh, guy that could help Orlando City. So it's good to see that they drafted him, and uh, now hopefully he can he can uh, maybe this will be a pipeline. It'll be like these Canadians that we draft uh, every year that come in and, and play well and and build our team that way. I don't think we have enough international slots eventually to do that, but oh well. Anyway, I'm babbling, so let's sign off, uh, guys. Uh, on behalf of Daniel McGann, Luis Hernandez, this is Michael Citro from the mainland saying. Go City!